Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So, I'm here today with my wife, Maria. Hello. Hey. Um, and we've just finished recording an Abundance Mentality podcast. So, if you don't know already, we've got a podcast or a couple of podcasts other than this one that we do together. Um, one of them's the Abundance Mentality. And basically, in that podcast, we talk for 20 minutes diving into a book or a resource and really sort of extrapolating that and applying it globally. Um, we have a second one, which is the Motherland podcast, which is a bit of humor and a bit of fun. But what I wanted to talk about on this podcast is the, a birth experience, but more specifically reframing, reframing pain to tension. Okay. So, so after our little talk here, I'll play the episode of the abundance mentality where we talk about calm birth and the birth experience, but there's a little bit in there that I wanted to sort of dig down upon that I thought would suit well for this podcast. Yeah. And the basic idea is that calm birth is, it teaches you to have a good birthing experience, basically to use meditation, visualization, education, and breath work to have a positive birth experience. Yeah. And it really did help. It really works. It really yeah. works. So like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll play that episode and mm. that'll sort of go into depth. But one of the main things that I wanted to draw down upon was that it, they reframed the idea of contraction pains as tensions. Or waves. Or waves. They sort of use both words, yeah. And that was really interesting to me because there's this whole, I think they use the term like sorority of pain, where, yeah. where women are always like, this childbirth experience was terrible. This, you know, all of this thing, this bad experience, bad experience, yeah. bad experience. And we just recorded a, a Motherland podcast where we talk about your mum's terrible experience yes, in Russia, yes, right? Yes. So we're just, you're doing that again. So, so, <laughs> so we're, we're adding to it, right? But the point is, is like you see in movies and, you know, the lady's there, she's dripping with sweat and freaking out and oh, like, it's like this absolute yeah. trauma, right? Screaming for Screaming hours. Screaming for hours. It's, yeah, it's a mess, it's right? It's terrible. And, and it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that, but like- I like the idea of like doing this on the reality check podcast because we're talking about checking into the reality of the situation. Mm. And from my experience, I know that pre calm birth, pre having our first son and now our second son, my understanding of birthing was the sorority of pain that so I was heard. Mine. 100%. Yep. Yeah. And both in real life from my mum and all of my mum's friends when I was forced to listen to them over and over <laughs> yes. again. And then from TV. And too much information. Too much information. And, TV, and yeah. every every single drama show. Because if you think about it, right, TV dramas want drama. They want to show you the worst. Yeah, because yeah. How, like it's not exciting. Like, I'm, I'm an author, right? Yeah. Am I going to write a chilled, casual birth experience? Yeah. Or am I going to add drama into that? Mother and baby were perfectly healthy. And nothing, went, and yeah. nothing went wrong, right? And nothing happened. Like, your birth experience was fine, right? Yeah. Absolutely fine. Boring. Like, <laughs> boring. Like, it's, it's yeah. not- That's what you want. <laughs> you know, you, you didn't need much. You only needed gas for pain relief. You didn't need any stitches. Your your recovery process has been perfect. He's perfectly fine, right? There's yeah. no drama there. Yeah, so, exactly. So, if I was to write that in a story, I would just- you know, literally do it in a couple of par- in a couple of sentences. Like, yeah, and it was a great birth experience, and off we go to the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if I wanted to highlight that, I would be like, you know, really digging deep into the drama bits of it. Yeah. But but this got me thinking. Let's apply that same logic to everything. Okay. To to every little thing that you think about: breakups, work issues, yeah. family dramas, breaking a bone, like 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 yeah. like death, religion spirituality like like war absolutely 
every experience that you can possibly have, just emotionality, anger, right? Yeah. It's all been framed on something, right? Mm, mm. Is that framing real? Have have what we experienced, mm. you know, like, like – because, like, let's say, you know, and we're going to do this to our kids, right? My son views the world as in our, our oldest son. Four-year-old, yeah. Four-year-old. He acts and thinks and does the way we do. Like, obviously, he pushes back and has his own personality, right? Yeah. But it's all in reference to us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's all in reference to the shows we choose to show him. It's all in reference yeah. to the environment and the stuff that he gets, right? So, obviously, I'm tying a big loop here, and it's maybe mm-hmm. a little bit esoteric. But if we bring it back to the birth experience of waves to pain, mm. right, that reframing, like, saved you so much drama, right? Can you, can you, can you sort of talk on that and we yeah, can sort of dig into was, it a bit more? it was really interesting. They had me doing, like, practice meditations every day, which I did for months. Mm-hmm. And the whole time it's all about waves and tension coming through. They never use the word pain. They never use any negative words. I mean, obviously they acknowledge that sometimes things can get a little bit tricky <laughs> and that you might have to um, pivot your birth plan, you know, according to whatever's mm-hmm. going on. But they they basically teach you that it's going to be calm, it's going to be joyful, and you're going to have these waves and they're hard work, but... It's only for a minute, and you're you going to rest after that, and it's going to be fine. So yeah. So so how do you think reframing the the contraction, the the physical sensations of contractions from pain to tension? Yeah. How did that? How was that impact? How for did you? that change for me? Well, the interesting thing is, I still felt pain, mm. but I was not bothered by it mm. much until. Like literally pushing that head out, but that only went on for fourteen minutes. So mm. you know, and and the thing is that the fourteen minutes doesn't count the rest. So because there's breaks in between. There's breaks in between the contractions. Yeah, so it's probably only like seven, really. Um, but right up to the pushing stage, so the whole first stage of labour, which, like, I had contractions overnight and then the whole morning, mm. and I was using the tens machine. And it, it did hurt. It hurt like a little bit of like a period cramp, um, which, you know, as a guy you would know what that's like. But it's like your belly sort of cramping up in pain. Mm. Um, but, you know, you sort of breathe and you go, okay, that's a wave. And you just know it's going to be over in a minute. And, and then it's over. I don't know. You're sort of not worried about it. I guess, I guess what I want to drill down upon is – like all of that process is is amazing yeah. and great, and we I'll play the episode yeah, later to sort of drill. Into, I, I want to sort of drill into the the reframing. Yeah, I'm trying because, to think how to explain it because it, it it's there's something that it's touching upon that it's like okay let 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 let's change it. Yeah. Let's say like as a as a guy, right? The, yeah. the typical masculine thing, and like we're, the West is terrible for this, but it's like. You shouldn't feel emotions. You shouldn't express emotions. Yeah. It's not manly. It's, you know, man up, harden up, all of this sort of mm. stuff, right? So then when you do feel something- You panic. You, you, you panic or you, you turn away from it or you don't know how to deal with it because mm. those same emotions, it's, it's like whatever you're experiencing now in response to trauma, to loss, grief, uh, breakup, whatever it is, it, it's, it's foreign. And anything you do experience has been framed to you by society as- not great, yeah. as, as wrong, right? And it's not normal for people in the West to say, like, wail out loud in funerals, right? Yeah. Or it's not 
normal to scream, right? Yeah. But then if you apply this to, like, one of the things that I like, it's like this weird little thing that I, I just sometimes when they pop up on my social feeds is, like, the, the Maori haka. Yeah. Right? Or there's other tribes where there'll be, like, other things where there'll be, like, a funeral procession where the people are wailing or, like, yeah. there's practices of, like, laughing out loud or screaming, right? And it's like they've taken the same event and they've their response to it is framed differently. Yeah. It's okay to scream. It's okay to yell. It's okay to come together as a community and mourn, yeah. right? Yeah. So, they're reframing that. Or and singing. I, Sometimes they do the singing. Singing, yeah. right? And I can't help but feel that the reframing of the same feelings hmm. would have potentially positive, more positive outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so from there I go. It's like, okay, well, what else are we? What else are we not doing? There's, there's a book, models. Oh yeah, models, which is like it, like Mark a Manson. Mark Manson's mm. models, which is like, it's like the best pick up book of all time because it's talking about you know men making them rather than trying to like use tactics to pick up chicks it's like make yourself a better person right be yourself and be vulnerable be yourself and be vulnerable and all the right girl will like you for who you are yeah there are things you know to make yourself dress better and a whole it's it's an amazing book i think every guy should read it and everyone should read it because it's incredible but one part of it he talks about his friend passing yeah and he gets he gets quite vulnerable right yeah and rather than sort of pulling away from it because he's so raw and vulnerable he becomes it's it's endearing. But but beyond that, the lesson that he takes from that is that it's like, what does this give me? So so as in like what's what do I get? What's the silver lining? Like oh, there's yeah. there's there's a different way of framing it. And, and he talks about it and basically his friend died young. Mm. And I'm I'm butchering the story. Read the book. His friend died young, and that sort of taught him the value of life, to sort of mm. take action, to live life, to go for things, because my God, you could die. At any time, yeah. And he 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 realized that it's like okay, well, what are we? What am I getting from this? It's sort of like reframing the death or reframing that event. It's like, well, what do I get? He's still like grieved and did all, oh, the, of course. all the other stuff, no, no, but of, then he of was course. trying to find a positive. Yeah. But That's then beautiful. he's applied that same logic of of like sort of well, it's like well, what's the silver lining? What's what's the lesson here to everything? So if you break up with someone, if you lose your job, if you are physic in physical pain, what what do you get from that? What's the silver lining? How can you reframe it? Another person that I'm quite into is Jocko Willink, mm. and he um, in a yeah, recent podcast yeah, yeah. said that he was injured, and one of his, one of his key phrases is good. And, you know, once again, read Extreme Ownership, amazing book. But anything that happens to you, he says, good. Good. Oh, we we you know this. This we, we, we forgot to do this thing in training. Good. It's like, oh, we need to do this extra thing. Good. This bad thing happened. Good. It's always good. Because you learn from it. You learn from mm. it. And the example that sort of stuck with me was, it's like, oh, I got injured. I can't train. Good. I can do something else. And the example he gave was he'd been stuffing around with guitars for 30 years, but then he quite injured himself. He couldn't do jiu-jitsu. He couldn't lift. He couldn't do a variety of things that he wanted to do. But... He was able to apply that, you know, for that 30 days or however long it's going to recover, he really drilled down on the guitar. And in that mm. 30 days, he learned more than he had done in 30 years That's or something amazing. something like that because he was able to refocus, reframe it. Yeah, it sucks to be injured. Yeah, you can't do the things that you can normally do, but you can reframe. Such a good attitude. Mm. Yeah, it's wonderful. And and I suppose with 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 my life, with what I'm doing, like having a new child, I've gotten woken up early, 
So it's like I can go, I can be annoyed by that, I can be disrupted by that, or I could take that as an opportunity to do some work, to do some recording, to do some things mm. that I want to do that I wouldn't have time when the kids are awake. Yeah. But, but that, that's, see, that's still not quite the same. It's still not quite what I'm going for. There's this, I guess I, I always, I always have this, this, this thing, and maybe, <laughs> you know, being my partner, you've sort of heard me ramble about this, and I know my therapist <laughs> gets this as well. It's like, is this this issue with objective morality? You know, like we can only see the world through our own perspective, right? So, the way we've been raised, our religion, our society, our our life experiences, yeah. our parents it shapes you shapes us. So that when something happens, we only see it through that lens. Yeah. So how hard is it to step back and see things for what they are? Well, I guess that's where the meditation comes in. Right. But it's yeah, like. Yeah, because it gives you that breath in between, like, your instinct and what you're feeling and what you're seeing straight away. And then, oh, okay, hang on. I'm actually back here a bit and I can just look at the bigger picture a bit. I mean, it doesn't change the shaping that much, but at least it gives you that breath between. How easy is it is it to look at someone else's life mm. and go, oh, if only you just saw it this way. Yeah. Right. But then, like, my, my, my real cri- – I guess what I'm sort of circling around upon is I want to be able to do that for myself <laughs> because, like, I could see this – like, it's a prime example. Contraction pains are reframed to tensions. Yeah. And equals positivity in terms of a calm birth experience. It was amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, how many other where, of those things am I not – Where else is that? Yeah. Right? Like, like, how many times am I looking at – okay, I've got another one, actually, that we use mm-hmm. with our son. It's not that he's being naughty. It's that he's he's um, wanting a uh, what is it? He's wanting a fake. Oh, what's what's, the, what's the, what is the wording? Um, what was it? It's not that he's attention seeking. It's that he's looking for relationship. He's looking for a relationship. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. So it's like it reframes the behavior. It's not attention seeking. He's not being a little naughty boy. He wants, I don't believe there's any such thing. Yeah. He wants he wants atten- he, he, he wants, wants he wants someone love. To he love wants and care he wants he wants someone to like yeah, connect he wants connection. Yeah. Right? And it's not coming in in a different way. So he's looking for it in a in, and he's, he's in some full. silly way. How does yeah. he know how to get the affection he needs? But then the it's the same actions applied he wants relationship. Yeah. And it's like I, I – That really I was, helped us. It so helps mm. because it's like it just helps to just cut the wind out of the sails, right? And like so a couple of examples. There's a school example and a uh, sort of a neurotic example. Okay. I'll put it and I'll go the neurotic example first. If I'm talking to someone, given what I do online and, you know, in-person stuff, people that have had trauma and past issues and stuff mm. gravitate to what I'm doing. Mm. Fair enough. Like, yeah. like makes like, right? But there can initially be a neurotic approach to the 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 connection with me. It's mm. sort of like, if you're listening to this podcast now, you've heard hours and hours of my life. My voice, yeah. My voice. If you've read my work, you, you know me far, far, far more than I know you. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this sort of one-way relationship thing happening that it feels like you know me, mm-hmm. but I actually don't know you. Yeah. Right? But, but I'll get DMs and connections of people like, hey, I want to call you right now because I've got a problem. And I'm like, dude, we've never even spoken online. And 
I'm not a therapist yeah, and I don't, really know, don't know you, you know, there's, yeah. like there's all of these things, but it's sort of like, that's my initial response. It's like, Oh, right. But then I just reframe. It's like, okay, this person is someone that's struggling. It's this person that's yeah. someone in need, this person, you know, so I'll obviously give the, you know, the, the kind response and that sort of stuff, but I, I have to set, set the boundaries of yeah, course. But yeah. what, I, what I'm getting at is the same thing in person, the same, like in, in, you know, in my real life, quote unquote, it's like, is that person being too forward? Or are they struggling? Mm, Is this yeah. person, you know, I work as a disability support worker and my client has uh, an autism spectrum disorder amongst other stuff. Yeah. Is he purposely doing the behavior or is the behavior a representation of, you know, is it an expression of the disability? And, yeah, yeah. So there's like, I'm trying to reframe that. But once again, it's like, I know that I know, I know I've got a massive blind spot here. Right, I know that I've got this massive blind spot. What's your blind spot? Of this reframing potential. Oh yeah, because you yeah 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 you're not you don't know what you don't know what you don't know. Seeing. Yeah yeah, it's like I find a lot of benefit from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Right, it's sort of like there's this parallel life lessons. Right, the more I train, the more I, I realize that I don't know, and the more of these blind spots gets opened up. It's like I try and reframe things, so it's like. You win in, you quote unquote win in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu by getting the person to submit to tap. Mm. One time my coach said, you get them to tap by making their body go the way it shouldn't go. Okay. And he just reframed the thinking. It was no longer apply this individual technique to do this individual break or choke or, mm. or, or, you know, dislocation. It's move their body where it shouldn't go. Yeah, like and the other way. <laughs> move, move the body the right way it shouldn't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, I'm like, that unlocked. I'm no longer trying for individual techniques. Now I'm just, it's like I'm looking at the whole, the whole picture a bit more. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't know. I'm, you know, I've only been doing it for a small, you know, not that long relative to, you know, my coach and, you know, actual masters, but it sort of helps me to reframe yeah. and, and get the application. And the, 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 the teaching example is when I was teaching, I always tried to reframe the naughty kids, quote unquote. Mm. You'd go into a classroom and, you get this sort of handover from the previous teacher and the teacher would be like, watch out for this kid. He's a naughty one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and it's sort of, and so I'm like, sad. there's so many things. Cause that kid now, you know, his, might whole, have, life. his whole life. Oh. And the, it even transitions from primary school to secondary school. Mm. The, 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 the teachers are like, watch out for this kid. And that kid's just labeled from the start. Right. Mm. And it's shocking. It's terrible. But with those kids, nine out of 10 times, I was able to just simply reframe it by, giving them responsibility. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, Jimmy, can you wipe the wipe down this board? Can you hand out the papers? Can you run this letter to a teacher? And just like- Keep him busy. <laughs> keep, keep him busy, but give them give them relationship. Yeah. Right? I didn't have that terminology, but it was reframing the behavior. He- yeah. I've read a lot about like um, behavior. It's not, it's not anything to do with them trying to be naughty, obviously. It's, it's more like there's feelings there. There's pent up feelings- mm that they haven't been able to express and, and no one's validated or been able to talk to them about. and Or, like, it might be even trauma that they've been through or something that they, exactly. they need to express but they can't. So they mm. express it by altering their behaviour. Mm-hmm. And so if, every time a child is being, like, naughty or, you know, undesirable behaviour or whatever, there's always some kind of feeling or need there that's, you know, not been... Hundred percent. Yeah, you, you, you've. Once again, it's, it's yeah, it's reframing. I suppose it's like maybe if we if we turn this to a, like a mindfulness approach, it's sort of like looking at things 
as they are as opposed mm. to as you've been sort of taught or conditioned. Yeah. You know, you can apply that to, like, rude people in the street, like adults. It's not just children. Oh. I've got I've got another example that's sort yeah. of like a bit ta- yeah. more tangential. Two two example. Mm-hmm. There's like the traditional relationship example and the traditional work example, both mm-hmm. of which we've deviated from. Right. Yeah. The there's this sort of framing that we had growing up, and I'm sure a lot of people had. You know, get the job, get the career, get the marriage, and mm-hmm. you're done. Yeah, and then what? <laughs> and then what, right? But it's like then it's midlife crisis time. Midlife crisis time. Right? But, but what is the midlife crisis? Yeah, you say it so much. It's 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 literally a realization like oh everything I've been working for is actually not what makes I'm not, me happy. I'm not happy right now. So it's like what I've sort of learnt is if we go like down any of those paths, it's like well, just because this is what we've been led to believe is the good thing. Mm doesn't make it actually – it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it that good either. It doesn't make it good. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we should perpetuate. It doesn't mean I should go for it. Like, yeah. Like, like you know, like I, I can I, – I do three days of work a week and I do my writing. Yeah. And I've got a variety of different things that I do. It's like it's chaotic, right? Hmm. It's not normal. But you like it. I like it. And it's like it's like we've and got – earning more than you – done before so well i'm able to keep working more than i can do before i'm able to maintain that it's like you sort of told multiple things growing up it's like you can be whatever you want to be but also get a nine-to-five job yes working working for someone else right hang on a second which one is it yeah find find the love of your life but settle down and get married and don't think about anything else ever again yes yes okay but what if yeah it's like there's sort of like these I don't know. It's sort of like, and it's never, they're not really ever like spoken these rules, right? It's sort of like, yeah. And like anyone you speak to is like, no, it doesn't matter. You know, if you actually like pin someone down and speak to them, they're all like, no, do whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, don't worry about what society says. But, but then you still end up with these ideas from society. But those people are most likely also still doing what society says as yeah. well. Like, like, but if uh, you actually pin someone down, they don't. Like, of course it's they're fine. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, it's interesting thing. It's like, don't be a weirdo, right? Don't be like, you know, like it's like this this idea of like there's this I drive to conform. Mm. But yeah, you pin someone down, it's like, yeah, you know, like no, people of respect. Don't mind. Of course it's fine. Yeah. How how odd and weird and crazy is every famous person, right? Yeah. Anyone that makes it yeah. is not normal. Right? Yeah, and they they've just had to like leave it all behind, just like I'm just gonna be myself and just Yeah. They're appreciated for the fact that they're not normal. They're appreciated for yeah. the fact that they have like leaned in hard to themselves. They've been vulnerable. They've been honest yeah. and they've looked at things like, you know what, stuff and I'm gonna live this life that I wanna live. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But not too much, because then they're, they're just weirdos, right? <laughs> well it's a thing of like if you're successful what is it like yeah, that's right. you're crazy think, until yeah. you're successful and yeah. then you're eccentric. And then you're just like yeah, kooky and fun, but successful. Did you ever read the book, um, The Artists, The Daily Rituals? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, amazing. That, oh, <laughs> so I've talked about it before, but it's worth mentioning again. The The Daily Rituals book was like, here's a bunch of artists, writers, painters, etc. from and over time. And like 100 years back Hun- or something. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just highlighting their different daily rituals. Yeah. And by the end of it, you realize that they're, they're all different. They're all 
odd in their own way. Some people are super strict and regimented. Some people are, you know, I'll just wake when I get woken up. Some people are like doing drugs and alcohol and coffee. And, only, and, and then they do, you know, yeah, three all day. A, all day and at 3 a.m. They're like, now it's time to run, running. right? Oh, my God. Some After pe- they've finished all their cocaine. Yeah. And- <laughs> one guy's doing like, you know, like naked stretches in his window and another oh, guy's right. like, you know, 9, 9.05 a.m. sharp. He's, you know, like, yeah, you know, whatever. Right? But the point is, is like. There's no correct way. They've worked themselves out, right? I know personally, the more I shed of all of this sort of stuff, the happier I am, Mm. the more successful I am, the better, like, the better I am as a human. It's sort of about, like, sort of deconstructing that whole... Yeah. But but it's it's almost like, which part do I shed as well? Because some of it's like... Do I need some of it? Well, this this gets so confusing. (laughs) What's what's the goal of life, right? It's like, yeah, and but then it's like it's it's sort of like take that time to step back and just reevaluate what you're doing and why. Mm. It's very easy to rush to the next to the next to the next to the next thing and try the different options Mm. as well, not just the one that seems like. It's got to be this one. It's got to be this option. I need a nine-to-five job because I have seven days in a week to fill. I'm going to fill five with a job. Okay, I got one for you, right? Yeah. The seven-day structure itself. Mm. Where did that even come from? <laughs> well, it, calendars and creation. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not the point, right? So so I'm doing a exercise split in the gym. It's mm. um a pull-push legs rest day. Yeah. Now, the traditional approach that you see online everywhere is to – Fill it in the seven days. So on Monday I do this. I do pull. Okay. Tuesday I do push. Wednesday I do legs. Mm-hmm. Thursday I do pull, push, legs, and then by Sunday you have a rest day on the Sunday. Okay, right. So that means that every day you wake up Monday. Every time is the same. Tuesday is every time. Put in your calendar. Yeah. Put in your calendar. But that doesn't necessarily make sense physiologically, right? Mm-hmm. Like like evolutionarily, a caveman didn't. We didn't evolve with Monday. Yeah. You know, right? Like. No, we, we just we just did it. We just did our thing. Like days are a construct. Yeah, Time's a construct. Yeah. So the other literature for exercise talks about the need for rest. So my approach now is to go a pull um, pull push legs rest day. Yeah, a but four days just seven. Yeah, a four day split. So that means that Monday this week will it'll drift and it'll change, mm. right? Do you keep a note on your phone? Yeah. Because you can't just, use your calendar now. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. No, I just yeah. I just remember what I'm up to. Yeah, right? okay. The point is, is that it's – I have to shed the concept of days of the week. Yeah, to be able to do that. To be able to do that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, like, like all people that, you know, own a small business, it's like they'll have to take their weekends when they can. So it's like they might work, they might shift their weekends to Monday, Tuesday, because that's the traditional down days. They're still getting their two day off, yeah. But their weekends now that day, right? Yeah. It's just this 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 ability to just open your mind and sort of reframe how things are and just sort of question reality, yeah. question societal constructs, question things. Is it pain or is it just tension? Yeah. Because if it's tension, that means something completely different. If it's pain. Pain's bad. Pain's painful. Pain's yeah, terrible. That's, that's tension's what it was. just tension's like, oh, I'm pushing my muscles against things. That's what they were sort of trying to get at. It's mm. like if you're running a marathon and your legs hurt, is that bad? Mm. And they were like, no, you wanted to do this marathon. Well, I mean, I mean, even if we we take it to pain and sort of turn it um, like sexual, right? Some people are turned on by pain. Yeah. Right. So people, yeah. Pain for some people can be pleasurable. Yeah. 
Like, I'm not saying that, like, you know, childbirth is pleasurable, although apparently some, some people, some people is, apparently yeah. orgasm in childbirth, right? Yeah. Which is like. I was kind of hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the point, the point is, is like that has actually happened to people, yeah. right? The point yeah. is, is that it's reframing. If you, if you went into childbirth, and like I said, we'll play the calm birth yeah, after yeah, this, yeah. but if you went into that experience going, okay, this is going to be the most traumatic, terrible experience. It's going to be exactly like my mum and every drama show I've ever seen on TV and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And the first bit of pain, you would just you would freak just out. You would, down. You would want yeah. the most the, the most extreme intervention or yeah. you might opt for an optional Caesar. Like, Which a lot of people do. Fair yeah. enough, right? Yeah, like, yeah, do yeah. whatever you want to do, but far out. Do you really, like, hmm. is that, is that what you want? Does that have to be the first option? Yeah. Do, do you really want that? Do you really want to be cut open? Like, yeah. as, as, like, your your first thing? Ugh. I, mean, I personally was definitely more scared of surgery. Yeah. <laughs> but, right? yeah. Look, yeah. And, and fair enough. Like, obviously, everyone's each to their own and do, do whatever you want to do in life. But it's more like do whatever you want to do in life provided you've thought it through and yeah. you've, you've stepped back. Like, same thing. Okay, no, another example. I'm just sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. freewheeling no, on these, right? Is divorce bad? Mm, right? What's your one. default societal reaction? Societal, yes, but I don't think it's necessarily hundred percent yeah. right. Like societal, it's definitely. Bad. Oh, you can't break up. That's terrible. Yeah, well, you know what? Actually, you can. What if you if you're not- made the wrong decision those years ago? What, yeah, yeah. What if you've grown apart? What if the partner's abusive? What if yeah. you simply don't like them? What if? Yeah, there's so many different reasons why divorce, breakup, it's okay, ending a friendship leaving a job, all of these things are actually the best move that you can do. Yeah. It's like it's like in war. It's like never retreat. It's like, no, actually, let's tactically retreat. Yes, absolutely. Another, another example. <laughs> it's all, like I'm, they're, they're coming to me more now. Okay. Um, we're on a roll now. We're on a roll. <laughs> um, indoor rock climbing. I was climbing and my brother was like, he showed me a thing and he was climbing up and then he went backwards to replace his foot onto a different hold. Oh, to move forward. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, you can go backwards to go forward. I never thought of it. Because I was sort of just bull rushing through. I'm like, no, mm. why would you? Like, it didn't, I didn't even think about going backwards. Yeah. But the best way to get up the wall was to, is to get up the wall, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not about just moving forward. It's about finishing the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That might mean that you might go down a little bit to around. replace your hands, to come around, yeah. go backwards to go forwards. It's like, oh. You know, okay, we're reframing how to actually approach this. The progress, you know, to to beat the wall to win doesn't mean you have to go forward. Mm. You know, do you sort of see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like, what's what's our overall goal here? What are we trying to do? That's that's the win state. Yeah, it's it's an interesting way to look at things. So like with relationships, like with okay, another one. Mm-hmm. If our sons. If we're in a, you know, if, if we're arguing, right? Mm. If we reframe that whole event and go, okay, what's the overall, what's our overall goal as parents? It's hard to do it in the moment. Don't get me wrong. Like Apparently it's, it's, it, it's good to look at it as a teaching opportunity. Well, not even, not even this, right? Mm. Is my goal to win this argument? Like Should you and me, if, if we, if a we have a four-year-old dis- against well, a four-year-old. <laughs> but even, even against quote unquote you, right? Yeah. If we no, have a disagreement. That's a terrible way to look at it. It's not. Yeah. My goal isn't to win and like be ha ha ha. I won that argument. Yeah, we're meant you. to be a team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah. Okay. We had a disagreement, but like, okay. You might be, you might have, and I know that I have, it's like, okay, I've got to win this argument. Mm. Well, hang on. Let's step back. No, that's not actually. Do I have to have, yeah. 
Yeah. Do I have to have the argument? Do I have to – is winning – what what is truly winning here? Isn't winning a long-term successful relationship yeah, where we've talked like, it through and developed? You better know? communication or something like that. Mm. Better understanding of each other rather than winning. This this whole thing sort of fascinates me and it's sort of like – you know, my mind's now going down into this sort of like politics thing where it's sort of like – us versus them. You're either believe you're either with me or you're against me. And it's sort of like, well, there's no nuance. You know, mm-hmm. I'd love I'd love if <laughs> if if people could have political discussions that are far more nuanced than this sort of soundbite clickbaity rah rah approach. I feel I feel like we're 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 drifting from the, yes. the topic a little bit. But but the, I suppose I suppose what I want to sort of leave it before we play the abundance mentality episode on the calm birth mm. and the birthing experience is just to the benefit of sort of just reframing things. Yeah, like sometimes you think you're in a dead end or you think something's hopeless or you know, you you're like, Oh my god, there's no way I can um fix this or deal with this situation. But then if you actually step back and just observe and try and reframe it, you're actually like, oh, hang on. Is that kind of what you mean? Like just, like if you do lose your job just, and you're just, like, this just, is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but then you're like, hang on a second. Yes, but just, just sort of be open. Like obviously, you know, some things are, are bad. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, you know, losing your job, breaking up, pain is bad, right? But it's just it's considering that there might be something different to consider. Yes. Is is the goal to get the new car or is it to pursue your values? Mm. One of my guiding things that I'm really leaning into is is to push for my values. What do I want from yeah. life? My like money's great and I like having money and I yeah. want more money, right? But do I want a brand new car right now? Yeah. Or would I prefer to instead spend that same money as time with my family? Yeah. Would I prefer to instead spend that t- same money as an investment to write a book? Yeah. I don't have to go for what society says I should go for. Yeah. I don't have to. I can reframe things. I can look at things. I can question things. And So, how do you then- What is success? Let's reframe what success is. How can I put this? How do you do that in your brain? I think it's it's being open-minded. So, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm reading um, Dracula at the moment. Yeah. Listening to it. And the way the character Van Helsing is introduced, another character, I think it's, I can't remember the name of the other character. Anyway, a name that's not as memorable as Van Helsing. Yeah, okay. um, Introduced this Dr. Van Helsing and basically describing him as this, you know, you know, strong, strong mind, a strong willed person. But his mind is like completely open, like absolutely 100% free. Oh, wow. And the character, like, it makes you, the impression of that character you get is that he's, you know, he's trying to solve this This lady's dying from being bitten by a vampire, right? Oh. So, he's like, you know, he, he sees this lady that's, you know, all these weird symptoms, but his mind's open. Okay. So, he's free. He, you get this impression that this character is sort of, he's not looking at things the way that a traditional mind would. A traditional okay. doctor would look at this and go, well, let's slot you into this hole. Yeah. I suppose the real world example would be is if you see a expert on you know, a, a, a ADHD expert. Yeah. Let's say our son starts acting, acting up and we go to an ADHD expert. Yeah. He's probably going to have ADHD, isn't if he? You're, um, if he's, if you're if you a hammer, to... everyone's a nail. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. So it's sort of like. So how do you not be that? Well, it, it's just, I think it's be aware. Yeah. Like I went to a, I had an issue with my arm. I went to a surgery 
I went to a surgeon to get it scanned. And I asked him, the surgeon. Yeah. And this is like a, you know, a world-class surgeon. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, treating, you know, professional athletes. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, you know, if is it possible that this pain will go away through stretching and rehab and all of that sort of stuff? And he said, no, you'll need surgery. Otherwise, you'll be in pain for the rest of your life. Right. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I realized, I'm like, okay, it's in your best interest. Like, this is what I thought. Like, I'm very skeptical. Yeah. Okay, it's in your best interest to say that. You might be right, but let's 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 look at some other options because like it. I'm yeah. not just going to accept your word because I also knew that if I go down the surgery route, you're more likely to get future surgeries. It's just a thing. Rehab and blah, blah. There's yeah, a whole variety yeah, of issues yeah, yeah. there. You so start in, the roller coaster. So, yeah, and then I did the rehab and I'm still doing. Hmm. I still have a bit of pain, far less than I had, and I'm like tension. You got tension. I've got, yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got tension. <laughs> but it's sort of like reframing it and re-looking at it and just, I think it's, yeah, being skeptical. you sort of almost changed the way you use your shoulders a little bit, didn't you? You sort of like <sighs> yeah, but gentler th- with them than you used no, to be? not really. Hmm. It's more just, 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 I think, like, it's because the shoulders isn't like, it's that's it's sort of still circling. We're still circling around this concept, right? Yeah. I think it's about being skeptical and being mindful and about being looking, not just accepting things, the first thing that pops into yeah, your like brain. Yeah, like taking that break or breath and just mindfulness I suppose is the <laughs> different options to pop up yeah okay so I, I got one for you right mm. what does anger what is anger what is sorrow what is happiness right mm. because the mindful approach will be to look at those feelings those emotions mm. and just feel them yes not like like the next time you feel an emotion, the next time I, I do this a lot, and I'll, I'll finish this with a bit of a story. But when you feel an emotion, any emotion, any physical sensation, anything, it's an opportunity to investigate what it is, okay. and and the goal is to not look at it for, not look at it as, oh, it's anger. It's to go well. What does that anger feel like? And there's a whole chap, few chapters in my in the meditation book that I'm writing mm-hmm. on this topic because it's a very good skill. But it's like, okay, what does anger actually feel like? Where does that feeling mm-hmm. located? Okay, it's it's body te- it's body tension. It's a feeling of heat. Mm-hmm. It's a clenching of the jaw. It's see, I'm deconstructing yeah. what anger is. So then, rather than feeling anger, quote unquote, I'm now feeling a collection of symptoms altogether. And then, like, your thoughts start going at the same time. Oh, this person made me angry. This made me angry. So then it's seeing those thoughts. Yes, exactly. And nobody made you angry. You made yourself angry. Well, sort of. Yeah, like that too. Like taking responsibility, I guess, for your own feelings. (sighs) Like they did, but it's also, but also, you know, your own brain did. (laughs) We're we're approaching this from multiple perspectives because you're looking at it from the cognitive perspective. But you can mindfully yeah. approach those thoughts as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so you can observe I'll, that. I'll get on. We'll, we'll go back to what you're saying, but okay. just to tie this up, anger presents itself, or any emotion, but we're using yeah. anger presents itself as a collection of physiological and psychological uh, symptoms, yes. phenomena. Yes, a collection of phenomena. Right. If you look at emotions as a collection of interconnected phenomena that appear together, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds a lot easier to manage you're than taking that breath grief away. yeah right taking, sorrow yeah. it's like it's like this is a collection of physical and mental phenomena now 
They're overwhelming. They're strong. But the strength is just another thing to observe. Yeah. Those thoughts, right, that are popping up. Just observe them as well. They're just another thing to pop up. I agree. so, So try this. Where does the next thought that you have go? Just watch it go, right? You can hold on to it. But if you actually want, like, if you actually just sit there and think in silence, mm. it's going to disappear. Yeah, it just wafts away. It just goes. Yeah. But that that's what's actually happening. Right? Yeah, that, and the that, same with the anger as well. Yeah, yeah that's, just, the re- that's the reality. It just wafts away as well, yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous when you think about <laughs> it, right? Like, it's like, okay, so I observe and I look at my emotionality and it just disappears? Yeah, but if you try to block it, it it gets worse. Yeah, so it's, so it's reframing what it means to be highly emotional. Yeah. Looking at things, I know, for me, everything comes back to meditation, which once again, why I'm writing a book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> reframing, reframing, um, reframing things can certainly help. And I think- Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's just, there's just so many of these different, different things that we can approach. Opportunities so, to do that. Do you have any parting thoughts before we before we put it onto the no, um, the abundance episode? Not said at all. So just a, just about the abundance mentality before we get into mm. it. They're twenty minute episodes on health, wealth, spirituality, or relationships. Mm-hmm. We've got I think six or seven episodes up, and we'll you know intermittently be putting more up. The idea is that we're taking a a book or a collection of books, or you know in this case, Carnbooth, which is like a program that mm. we've both connected with, or one of us is connected with, and just extrapolating. Like a lesson from it, I yeah. suppose, because there's so many different things that you could take, but it's like let's drill down hard upon something and you know get those nuggets of wisdom out. Because yeah, that's right. You know, may as well get some more more benefit from those things, and it means that you might either you know if you listen to that podcast, you might get you'll get the lessons, the main the core lessons that we've got might be an inspiration to read that book or you know participate in that in that course or whatever mm. whatever it is. But it's like a way to. I don't know, just to sort of drill down and find that that core learning because it's it's very easy to just read self help books or read read books in general and just sort of just forget everything, forgetting yeah. everything. But it's like a way for us to relearn them and to sort of pass that knowledge on and to really just dive down. So I'm I'm quite enjoying it. And yeah, I suppose what great. you'll what you'll hear now is the uh, the, the the most recent episode yeah. as, as it'll go <laughs> up and um you'll see it and um you'll still get this is the ongoing joke across all of the podcasts that we have particularly the 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 motherland podcast we didn't do it the last episode is to uh highlight the fact that you are not on social media and you've yet to still start oh. one up so yes. the only way you can get more of maria is to listen to the abundance mentality or listen to the motherland podcast or the random That's episode right. she appears here so anyway <laughs> <laughs> without further ado um, we'll put on the abundance mentality uh, on calm birth cheers cheers Welcome to The Abundance Mentality, 20-minute snippets to improve your health, wealth, spirituality, and relationships. I'm Zach. And I'm Maria. So, we've recently had our second child. Childbirth! Yay! So, (laughs) we had an amazing positive birth experience, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. But the resource that we want to talk about today is Calm Birth. And this isn't necessarily a book. It's like a system. There's a book involved. It's a whole process. But basically, what it seems from our experiences and from talking to the midwives and going through the program are that the majority of people that use calm birth have significantly more positive birth experiences, need a lot less uh, interventions, Mm. and it's just a better experience for mum, baby, 
hospital dad everyone involved. Yeah, less trauma as well. Yeah, less trauma, and I, I want to take it beyond just the birth experience because I see benefits from this program in everyday life. Absolutely. Like having yeah, having gone through this twice now, we used to come mm. birth twice. It's repeatedly taught me the value of meditation, of calm breathing, of visualization, yeah. and of education. Yes. And that's really the sort of the sort of key components of of calm birth. Yeah. They and like we'll get we'll get into into the into yeah. the birthing experience, but basically in the lead up to the birth experience, there's a bunch of guided meditations mm. that will, you know, with visual imagery talk both the birthing mother and the support person, which in this case was me, through what was going to happen, giving us uh, education so we're not surprised, mm. and giving us calm breathing, for yeah. lack of a better expression. And then during the birth experience, my job was to basically remind you to be calm, that you can do anything for one minute when the contractions are coming, mm. and to just check back into that mental state that you trained over and over and over again. Mm, mm. And so so before we get into it, it's just it, it, it's sort of shown me the the value of practice and guided meditations. Because yeah. it's like it's it's repeated priming. It's 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 this whole sort of thing that really helped to reframe what birthing is because there's that sorority of pain. Mm. Everyone, you know, you say that you're you know, I said, I'm like, oh, we're having a baby. And all the dads are like, think about all the bad stuff. Mm. And all the women are like, this terrible birth experience happened to me. And everyone's saying how painful it is and how traumatic it yeah. is and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, my God. And the calm birth helped to just acknowledge that that's a potential, mm. but to reframe it down the positive thing. And I think that's abundance if if there's anything oh, else yeah. like that. So, so, yeah, please, please do share. Um how did you find the birth experience using the calm birth? And then maybe we can apply it yeah. more globally. So I used it for my first four years ago. So when I first found out I was pregnant, I was terrified of childbirth, as everyone is. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be working at a um, health clinic. And there just happened to be this woman there that taught calm birth. And so we were like, let's do the class just to see what it is. And then we just showed up that day. And, and it was just suddenly just so eye-opening because it's like we're going to prepare you to have a wonderful birth, mm. not a traumatic birth. Um, and I didn't know if I should believe it at the time because it's just such a new concept. But we tried it and it really worked and it's happened again the second time. Mm. So they got me basically, yeah, they do the education like you said, so they teach you exactly everything that's going to happen in the birth so that you're not surprised by anything. And then they teach you to, um, like, meditate, basically, but kind of focusing on... It's not mindfulness. It's more like a... It's a relaxation meditation more so. Yeah, and then the, it's, like, guided, but then there's, like, this element of practicing the birth. So your brain is, like, getting primed, mm. but you're practicing a very positive and the most perfect, amazing birth. Joyful, it's... calm. Um, mm. But then they also... the. And then you have to do it every day, and then they get you to do slow breathing, which teaches you. It's like a relaxation response, which is the opposite of the fight flight. It's like teaching your body to go into a relaxation mode, mm-hmm. and you have to practice it every day. And so that on the day, 
you're super calm and you know how to breathe and your body's full of oxygen because you're breathing. Um, yeah, it's really empowering. So we we did it for the first and then we've just done it for the second. Do you want me to go into the um, second birth? Just, just give the – I suppose the highlights on my end watching you do it was the the um, the speed of the birth, the calmness of the birth. And the the minimal use of pain relief. You used yeah. a tens. You only needed to use a tens machine, and then gas. You know the the breathing gas towards the end. Yeah. Um, and it was very quick. It was quick. Yeah, I had a fourteen minute pushing stage, mm-hmm. and with my first, I only had an eight minute pushing stage. Um, maybe a little bit too fast, but that's okay. <laughs> Get it out, right? Get it out. Um, yeah, it does. It sort of like taught me to relax into the contraction and instead of fighting it and this is a huge part of calm birth it's like instead of fighting it you relax into it but then that allows your body to actually get the baby out the midwife that we had for our second i think she was calm birth trained or she she was like very much she was basically saying let's breathe this baby out yeah and one of the reframing things that it did was sort of highlight that we're an animal and that animals give birth all the time and they give birth and then mother and baby just get up and they're off their gut. Yeah, they're 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 back surviving because that's what matters. Whereas we humans have this artifice put over everything that, like you know, block the world off from pain, block the world off from reality, mm. and it's sort of like you know, like we we live a very shielded, particularly in the West, this very shielded mm. view of reality. It's sort of like whitewashed, mm. and it's like. There's this traumatic birth thing, but we don't really want to talk about it. Let's look away from it. The yeah. same thing that we have with with Numb death. The same thing we have away. with pain. It's like it's terrifying, right? Yeah. But like completely on a different level, I was doing some martial arts training and I I dislocated my finger. My 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 um ring finger was pointing literally yeah. the wrong way. Oof. But because I'd meditated and because I wasn't like I didn't freak out, it didn't quite impact me the way that I'd seen other people be impacted by stuff. You didn't panic about it. I didn't panic. It. Mm. And it's like, yeah, this happened. But it's sort of like you can reframe pain. You can reframe things, which yeah. calm birth sort of helped. Yeah. Calm birth, it's like, it's a type of hypnobirthing, which is, it's not really hypnosis. It's more meditation, but it's like a birth class. Um, it just teaches you, yeah, like, they don't call it pain. They call it, like, waves and tensions tension yeah and even if you are in pain it's like you don't have to panic about it you can just be in pain for that minute yes breathe you can do anything for one minute it'll be over yeah i remember that was one of the key phrases like so this is one of the benefits that i had they basically said as a husband or as a partner as a birthing partner Mm. my job is to be the solid rock yeah. Because you're there freaking out a little bit and you're doubtful and your mood is vulnerable. In, yeah, you're vulnerable yeah. and you're like triggering off the people around you. Yeah. And I'm there just speaking right in your ear. Yeah. You're doing fine. Slow breathing. Take slow, calm breaths. And when a contraction came, you can do anything for one minute. Yeah. And I remember distinctly remember you looked at me, you're like, I can do anything for one minute. And then you were just you just back into this calm state. I was able to um even though like the pushing hurt, I was able to Focus and be calm. 100%. Peaceful through it. I mean, like, you know, you make your noises and you oh, of course. do your stuff, but it's not – you're not then also adding panic and anxiety on top of it. Mm. I saw this quite one time. I don't know if it's like a meditation or a Buddha. I can't remember, but it's like 
if you if you stub your toe or if you hurt yourself, that's the first pain. But then a second pain is that suffering. You're re-remembering or the panic it. that you add to it, or the anxiety that you then you're scared of the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then you're actually suffering twice. Yes. It's almost like the calm birth stripped that second one away. So, yeah. 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 So yeah. That's yeah. Really cool. So you would definitely say that it's a it had a had a good impact on the birth. I think calm birth has was the single best tool we had, 100%. I remember with the birth of our first son, the the midwife highlighted the fact that you, you, you were very – you were almost so calm that they didn't think you were going into labor. And yeah. then they, they, they said to us – we, we said, like, we've done calm birth, and they said, like, oh, and it sort of made sense to them. Oh, that's calm birth girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it yeah. was sort of like this, like, oh, you know, and it was sort of like, and I was thinking, like, why doesn't, why isn't this more widely known? Why doesn't everybody yeah. do this? So let, let's, let's, let's take, let's extrapolate this to non birthing. Yeah. Since the birth of your first, the first, our first son, mm. and now I suppose afterwards, have you applied these skills? In other areas, oh, of your in life. every way. How, how so? Give give some other I, ways because, like, I'm not like you know, if you're a guy listening to this or if you've yeah. not had a kid or whatever, obviously you're not going to go like, hey, do some calm birth. Oh, yeah, but you, yeah. education, um, breath work, visualization, meditation, you know, meditation yeah. practice, right? Yeah, those are things that will help. Like, please. Well, I didn't used to meditate before my first child. I would do fun little meditations here and there, and I did prayer because I had a childhood of um christianity i guess so i you Mm. know sometimes would um do a bit of prayer or do a bit of fun meditation but i never had a a solid practice Mm -hmm. um i just didn't understand why you needed to do it every day um and i also didn't realize how empowering it was but then doing that calm birth and then actually getting having this i guess empowering birth experience um, after the birth of my first child, I was like, okay, what else can this skill do? Mm-hmm. And then it, it helped me to actually have faith in doing meditation. Um, okay. And, like, and what has meditation given you? Well, it's, yeah, everything. It's amazing. It, it, <sighs> what has it given me? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, um. Focus. <laughs> Focus and the ability to answer questions well. Now, um, I I'm in the process of writing a mindfulness meditation book, yeah. and I, I find that it's like uh, meditation for me, mindfulness meditation, which isn't this visualization stuff. I, mm. I'll, I'll go into that, but it's mindfulness different. meditation helps me to improve my calm, clarity, and focus. Yeah. It helps to strip away a lot of the the mental sort of uh, ruminations and anguish and sort of societal implications and all this sort of stuff and strip it down to the bare realities of what's actually happening. So like you might be in pain emotionally or physically, but if you can just pull it away and actually feel what that's feeling like, it's Mm -hmm. not as bad. You're only experiencing it once, not twice. Yeah, that's right. And it's sort of like the empowering part of like, Oh, if I feel something, whether it's pain or whether it's emotional pain or if something's happening, I actually do have power to do something about it. Mm. I don't have to be this at the mercy of it. I don't have to be like, oh, I'm scared of this thing. Oh, well, too bad. Now I'm scared of it. Like, I'm just going to be scared of it forever. I can actually do something. And the the calm birth sort of set me on that path. But you can use visualization for goal setting. I use it now 
every day. If I want something, I'll visualize it. And I just know that if you, there's a lot of stuff you can read about. Like if you visualize something, you can actually achieve it. I would like to dig down on that because I'm not mm. one for the woo-woo, the secret prayer sort of like, if I if I visualize Do it, it'll magically come. Yeah, like, I don't know can, if it's that. There's... Because I'll say it's certainly more to it than I'll that. say it's certainly not that. Like I, I look at yeah. all of that that sort of like manifestation stuff, mm. and I'm very skeptical. But what? it's priming. Like if you even put put all the manifesting stuff out of it and put the woo woo out of it, like in the birth, like if you, you visualize the birth every day, mm. and then you have a wonderful birth. That wonderful birth didn't just appear out yes. of nowhere. Um, and if I had been in my previous mental state before calm birth, I would have been in a panic. Well, if, if we take it away from the birth and just do it to that typical woo-woo manifestation mm-hmm. sort of thing, what I think happens is that, like, let's say I want to become a best-selling author, which yeah. I do. Ha-ha. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it allows me, if I'm thinking about that best-selling author, best-selling author, yeah. I'm thinking it over and over, then when an opportunity pops up, exactly. I'm more primed to say yes to that opportunity. Exactly, exactly. So it's like... I, like I said, I'm writing a meditation book right now. Mm. That came about because I did an insight timer meditation course, mm. which came about because you found someone on, in, um, you found a meditation lady and you're like, oh, hey, Zach, you should check this out. And she used insight timer. She used, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. she's like, oh, she's on insight timer. So because I've been thinking about best selling author, I was like, oh, that insight timer could be a good idea for me exactly oh i've read and done and studied a whole bunch of meditation i could teach that yeah so i did oh i've now done all this pre-work and i want to be an author i am an author so i might write that book so it's like so so it's like the the fact that i'm manifesting or thinking about this and visualizing it i saw that opportunity whereas once again if i wasn't doing any of that thought i would have been like oh cool like i don't like cool you you found someone on a you you got someone to listen to one meditation great but now I'm primed to take that action, say yes to it. Absolutely. And you're priming yourself talk as well. Like if you're studying. Like internal, like. like Yeah, like how you speak mm-hmm. to yourself in your head and you're almost giving yourself more confidence, I mm-hmm. think. Like say, say I was doing study and I wanted to finish to get a degree. But part of me was like, I'm never going to finish this. I can't cope with study. I'm no good at this. But I kept visualizing myself actually getting the degree. Mm. Then every time I have to submit an assignment, I'm visualizing myself getting the degree. I'm like, I have to actually finish this stupid assignment. I have to finish it. Mm. Whereas if I keep thinking I can't do it, I can't do it, I might think, well, I'm not even going to finish it because I'm not. Yeah, so you're sort of – and it goes on a roll. Like you do one and then the next time, you you know, it's stronger and then it's stronger and it's stronger. I I like the idea of repetition and visualization. I've I've learned – through this um, to apply it to my martial arts. First of all, drills get the skills. The mm. more you repeat something physically, the better you get. Yeah. But the more you visualize doing that same repetition, you're still training your brain. Mm. So I'll picture the moves in my mind when I'm not training, and then I'm can you know then I can actually do them better when I yeah. am training. And it's like, and then I'm also calmly breathing when I'm you know, grappling with someone. I'm listening to their breath. And I can mm. hear their breath go, so I know they're about to do a move. When they take a big breath or something. Yeah, and then I can put counterforce in and apply it appropriately. Yeah. Whereas if I wasn't thinking about the breath, I would be far less uh, – I would have far less stamina myself. Yeah. And I'd be, have far more tells. Whereas what I'm trying to be is super calm, super observant, and, you know, just taking advantage of that. And, you know, when I am under pressure, mm. 
both in that you know martial arts state, but also just in real life. It's like I can just take that calm breath, calm a calm bo- a calm body equals a calm mind. And you have to practice that, don't you? Hundred percent. Yeah. I just I just had a psychologist session, and one of the parts of the the, the first thing she said to do in response to a sequence of events was basically take a bunch of slow calm breaths. Yeah. Because you calm your body, you calm your mind. It's so. That expression is so overused but underrated. So underrated. Before I had, like, literally before I did calm birth and, and then consequently had a kid, mm. every time somebody said that or I heard that, I'd be like, oh, how is that going to freaking help me? And how often did you actually try it? Never, ever, yeah. ever, ever. Yeah, you should. Yeah. But now that with the calm birth and with, um, you know, you're going to go into childbirth. You can't stop that. So mm. you've got this time limit. So you're like, I'm going to practice anything it's, it's, I can. It's going to happen. Yeah. So it made me practice the the slow breathing. And the, the really amazing thing is it's, yeah, it's this like relaxation response where you, you're actually like teaching your body instead of going into panic mode, it's actually going to go into calm mode if something happens. Yeah. And you use it in the birth, but then, you know. You've still got I, those skills. I, you've got those skills. So I've been using them for anything like if the baby's crying i start taking slow breaths and calm I've myself noticed that. I, I when i'm hugging him if mm. i do some slow calm breaths he he almost checks in he's like he does we both calm down together yeah and my preschooler now even when he was a toddler mm. he's a preschooler now and we've been able to teach him mm. as well you'll you'll hear him going <sighs> it's one of the things when he when, when he hurts himself and you're not around I give him the skills to self-soothe. I'm just like, let's take a couple of slow, calm breaths. It takes him a little while to get yeah. into it, but he's like, and he like he, he yeah. go he goes through it, and you know and it, it helps. Sometimes when he's him. angry, he does it now as well. So so let's um we're coming up on time, so let's just um go into the take action. Okay. Well, I guess practice try try the try sitting for five minutes, and just you can breathe in for a count of four, and then breathe out for a count of six, and it's sort of. But you yeah. do that for five whole minutes. Five, it sounds like a long time, but by the end of it, you'll be so chilled and calm. Yeah, and it resets your emotions. It's a really good one, like when mm. you're panicking or feeling really upset. So so five minutes of slow, calm breathing. I suggest to like try it now, but potentially try it in bed before before you're about to go to sleep. It's yeah. a great way to calm yourself down yeah. after a long, stressful day or just in general. And just have patience with it. You get impatient when you first start doing it. Yeah. It's, so it's like, a, I can't do this for five minutes, but... Just keep just, practicing. Yeah, that, that tension that you yeah. projected then is so true. Yeah. Like you, any sort of meditation, that feeling is something to just work through and process. Mm. You, you can do it for five minutes. Yeah. Well, what's the worst that can happen? Like you yeah. get bored? Okay, lean into the board. Just try it. Chill. Yeah. yeah, just try it. All right, cool. So it's time for you guys to take action. For us to read another book or yeah. do another program, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.